And we are live. Midweek studies, Wednesday, got ourselves into the book of Genesis. And uh, we've been moving right along. And we are in chapter 24. Our last session in chapter 24, of course, looking for uh, a bride for Isaac, right? And uh, we're going to kind of look at Rebecca being chosen in this session this day. Stefan Maier with you at itsouls.com is the website, the early bird podcast sessions. You can check us out, certainly. Do so, subscribe, follow, whatever it is, like, give a thumbs up, uh, comments, interact with the um, with these podcast sessions, and that certainly helps uh, the material move forward and reach more people that might be interested, like you and I, into this kind of stuff. And uh, we do go live from Monday to Friday. And uh, we do have a theme for each day, and you can look at the show notes for which day you'd like to join us for, perhaps all the days. That'd be kind of cool. So on Wednesdays, we want to look into the scriptures, and we chose the book of Genesis, quite fitting, you know, the book of origins, the book of beginnings, Genesis, to look into things. And uh, we, find our, we find ourselves in chapter 24. You can sign up to addedsouls.locals.com. It is our community over there. You can sign up over there for free, or you can choose to support monthly, which will give you exclusive content, of course, and all of this works for the greater good of the, uh, of the gospel uh, through the Added Souls Ministry, through the Maye family who works at it, and uh, the mission field, and the things we are doing over here in New Brunswick, Canada, with the East Coast Church of Christ. And you can check us out at eastcoastchurchofchrist.com or on Facebook, East Coast Church of Christ that okay? So a bride for Isaac, we kind of looked at how that took place from Abraham's servant going out in, uh, over there trying to get a wife for Isaac that is within the fold, you know, not a foreigner and things like that. And there were conditions and there was an oath to take place. And uh, Abraham's servant did come across a location where there was water and a servant girl and um, um, all of that took place and continues to take place. And we had some wonderful uh, thoughts and, and, and uh, some wonderful applications, because that's how we want to study this book. Not so much as the academic side of things, to which we are capable of doing, obviously, but we want to kind of just take a look at a very simple application format, so that we can know that the information we read, inspired information of these recorded and witnessed accounts, uh, that they mean something thousands of years later for you and I today as Christians, and how we operate and how we remain faithful. And that's very important. That's very important. So that's kind of what we want to do with that. It's not that we're dumbing down anything. It's just we're making it understandable for everyone, as the scripture so plainly reveals it. So in chapter 24 of Genesis, let me put the text on the screen, as we so do, and allows you to see that I'm not putting in anything in there that shouldn't be in there. We're just reading from what is written. Before he had finished speaking, this of course in connection to verses 14 all the way to verse 1 of chapter 24 in Genesis and the whole bride of, for Isaac being sought out and the conditions and the boundaries to this endeavor. Uh, before he had finished speaking, behold, Rebekah, who was born to Bethuel, the son of Milcah, quite the names. I mean, I like Rebecca. I, I get Rebecca, right? We, we could, <laughs> we have Rebecca's in our current generation as well. Bethuel, I don't know. Milka, uh, not so much, I think. The wife of Abraham's brother, Nahor. Well, there's a name you don't want to have. I don't know about your culture, but over here, if you're called Nahor, mama and daddy didn't like you all that much. <laughs> quite different, of course, if you're looking back way over here in the scriptures era. Uh, and the names they were given held great importance because each name meant something, and that's how they rolled, if you will. Well, uh, the wife of Abraham's brother Nahor came out with her jar on her shoulder, typical of the culture and the things they were doing, drawing water and whatnots. The girl, verse 16, was very beautiful. The text wants to make sure the reader understands the attractive nature of this young girl. So it wasn't like, oof, you know, she's not attractive to me. And it, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. That is very true. What you and I may not find attractive in another human being, well, another human being might find very attractive. And it all depends, of course, on what you're looking for and what you're looking at. 
Are you seeking the inner heart of the individual? Uh, are you seeking very shallow surface appearance? Um, obviously, all of us seek to have uh, a balance. You know, we want a good, kind, decent human being within the heart of the human being. And it's a bonus if you're attracted to them physically. I mean, this is the whole thing we've been created with to... Uh, function and find joy and procreate and all, all of that kind of stuff. So the girl is very beautiful, number one. That's a good quality. She's a beautiful girl. And here's another very important quality, <laughs> more so than the beauty. Uh, she's a virgin. She's kept pure. No man has had relations with her. And in a day and age as we currently live in, you'd think you'd understand what that means because we are so over-sexualized today that it just goes over our heads when a decent language is spoken about a man and a woman. And folks need to start reading the Bible again so that we can go back to that decent way of speaking. So no man had had relations with her. There was no sexual intercourse taking place in her life thus far. She was kept pure, and she's a beautiful, pure young lady. That's the idea. A prime candidate for Isaac. A prime candidate for any mother with a son who is seeking a, 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 a life mate uh, for her son, or a father to a son who wants the right candidate for his son. Well, she's got some very good qualities, very thoughtful, very humble, serving. She's beautiful. She's pure. She's not been with any other men. I mean, those are things we should kind of look for uh, in those uh, our children might seek to we want to train our children to look for those qualities uh today it's kind of like <laughs> go for the most sexy person you know go for the women who are uh, lascivious and uh show off their cleavage and yeah go for those women the fast kind of women no no my dear sons you're gonna you're gonna get yourself in a lot of trouble let's look for the things that the bible would teach us we should look for in someone we want to marry Okay, then the servant ran to meet her. So Abraham's servant, who's there on a mission to find a wife for Isaac, he runs up to meet this young lady, Rebecca, and he says to her, please let me drink a little water from your jar. Here is a challenge. Here is a task. Uh, an, opportune, an opportune task, if you will. An opportunity is placed before Rebecca, and it's a challenge from the servant because how is she going to react to this request? A great many times when you are seeking a candidate to marry, a simple question of servitude will reveal the inner heart of the individual. Have you ever brought a date, if you will, quote-unquote, date to a location of food, <laughs> a restaurant, right? And uh, see how she interacts with the waiter or the people around her or with you or where she is sitting, her environment. Uh, you can tell a lot by a person, uh, by those very experiences. And you can tell if this individual is not going to be the right candidate moving forward, might be the right candidate moving forward, but needs to change in a great many ways or flat out this person ain't going to cut it at all. This person's heart is not right and I'm not the one who's going to take 10, 20 years to try to make this person change who is not going to change and is going to make my life miserable. These moments, they are the telltale song sung by uh, our uh, discernment to recognize the right or wrong candidate. So the servant ran to meet. Uh, well, let me let me go back here. She's the girl was very beautiful. She's a virgin. Okay. Then the servant ran to meet her and said, "Please let me drink a little water from your jar." Okay. It's going to be, this is important. It may just seem trivial and just like, well, he's obviously thirsty. Yeah, but there's a message there. There's, there's an angle we shouldn't miss here on what's taking place. How is she going to react to that question? That's important on the proper candidate for uh, Isaac. So she says, drink, my lord. Oh, that's a, that's a, okay, then, okay, we're getting somewhere. She's not offended if you, or, or, 
oh, it's too beneath her. You know, like, I'm not a slave. Like, how are you? Why are you asking me? I'm not going to help you. I may go get some of my slaves. Like, there. This is an important angle to look at when you're choosing a, the right candidate. So she says, drink, my lord. Okay, well, that's a good sign. Right off right off the bat, that's, that's a good sign. And she quickly lowered her jar to her hand. Very personal, very uh, immediate, and um, towards the greater good of this individual who is thirsty, who needs a drink. His beasts need uh, water as well. So she's mindful of these things. Now, when she had finished giving him a drink, because again, human beings are more important than animals. I know we've lost, we've lost that one in our current culture of godlessness. Uh, but yeah, human beings are more important than beasts. Does that mean we cruelly mistreat the beast? No, God forbid. But we should wipe out every single animal on this earth to save one human being. That's just the reality of God's uh, nature and law towards us. Okay, so she says, drink, my lord, and she quickly lowered her jar to her hand and gave him drink. You see how when we take a bit of time with all these verses, how much stuff we can see and how many of these things apply to us in this life? Common courtesy towards human beings. If someone's thirsty, give him a drink. If he's with his animal, give him a drink. You know, like, I mean, common courtesy. But again, to the angle of the proper candidate, the answered prayer, right? Okay. Drink, my lord. And she quickly lowered her jar and gave, uh, in her hand and gave him a drink. Now, when she had finished giving him a drink, she said, I will draw also for your camels until they have finished drinking. Not just to the tip of the tongue, but that they may be filled, that, they, that their thirst may be quenched. You know, that's, that's labor, that's work, that is a, an act of selflessness and servitude and humble thoughtfulness. Like, this is the right kind of a candidate. She seems to be doing all the right things here. She's beautiful, she's young, she's a virgin, she's a servant, she's humble. She, I mean, wow, this, this is looking like the answered prayer. So she quickly emptied her jar into the, the, the how do you pronounce this in English? The throw, the throw, okay, and ran back to the well to draw, and she drew for all his camels. She could have just been like, there's the water, go take a drink. Or why are you asking me? I don't work here. I'm part of the royalty here. Who are you anyways? No, look at her. She's a kind person. Kind means useful. The utility of her behavior is kindness. And that acts as an agent which benefits the servant who's on his master's task to find the right candidate for Isaac. And all of this, my dear friends, God's will, God's providence. And it happens today if we just pay attention to it. Okay, so she quickly emptied her, jar, her, emptied her jar into the throw, the through, and ran back to the well draw, uh, uh, to draw, and she drew for all his camels. Meanwhile, in verse 21, the man was gazing at her in silence. To know, why is he gazing at her, right? He's not a pervert or anything. He's not looking at her with lust. What is he looking at her for? Well, the Bible tells us, of course, to know whether the Lord had made his journey successful or not. That's very interesting. He's looking at her with the thought, of course, a pure thought, which is mindful of his, uh, of, uh, of his God, his Lord. Meanwhile, the man was gazing at her in silence to know whether the Lord had made his journey successful or not. Isn't that interesting? That's very humble. That's a humble thought as he looks at her. As he gazes at her, it's a gazing. It's not a uh, a lust or anything like that. It, it's simply his mind is with God as he is seeing her in this gaze-like description, and that's interesting. And that gives us insight on how we should be as Christians. The servant was not prideful or selfish. He was not like, well, the, the, uh, it's all my doing. 
I'm going to be the one to find Isaac's wife, and I'll be the one who will be praised by men, and I will exalt myself, for I am egotistical. And oh man, do we know Christians like that? Uh, yeah. Preachers? Oh, for sure. That's not the way we should be, though. That's not how should we that's not how we should operate. We should operate like this servant. To know whether the Lord had made his journey successful or not. Success is held in the hand of our Lord and Master for you and I today under the dispensation of the Messianic Age, the Christian Age, the last days, if you will, the last dispensation of time uh, before judgment to come. Well, that's an important part of our faith. Is it the Lord's will we seek? And if so, are we gazing at the many things taking place in life to see whether the Lord had made our journey successful or not? If not, we need a course adjustment. Sometimes course adjustment and discipline comes at great sorrow and pain and devastation and uncertainty and doubts. And it can come by God allowing the devil and those who work for the devil to cause division and chaos and pain, all these things, to snap us into a sober thought. Wow, we had a blind spot. We were not doing things according to God's will. We were supposed to practice perhaps church discipline on members who had been delinquents for decades, and we were not doing so. Things like that. Perhaps you were snared in a sin, an habitual sin. Perhaps you were uh, um, just not thinking right, not living right, not giving right. And because of that, you had a blind spot. And because of that blind spot, the devil came into your life through masquerading as a friend or a religious leader or a family member or a co-worker, whatever. And um, because you had your guard down and you were not seeing things properly as God's will would have it in his providence, his doctrine, his will, um, you got bit by the snake. And you could have blamed God. You could have blamed the snake. But the best path is to reassess, look in the mirror and say, why did I think a snake was my friend, number one? Why did I miss all the red flags? And what took place and what is happening? Oh, humble heart, go to the Bible. The Bible will explain to you what's taking place. You should not have been friends with a snake. Though the snake, as he did with Adam and Eve, manipulated them to doubt the word of God and to trust him, the snake does the same thing today. Oh, he'll call himself a gospel preacher and you'll see him everywhere on social media and you'll see him behind pulpits and this is how they act, these wolves in sheep's clothing. They operate the same way. They'll have you doubt the word of God. You can't understand it on your own. You must go through them and through them they devour and they will devour the weak. That's important. And it goes to show how we are always to be mindful of the will of God. As this servant is, as he's gazing at this potential candidate for his master's son, Isaac, to have a wife, he wants to know whether the Lord had made his journey successful or not. Are we successful? If we are, is it for God? We need to be mindful of these prayers. What has taken place in your life? Why has... Why do we need to change sometimes? Why, do, why does God allow the devil to cause change for the greater good of the kingdom? Why are these things? Is our thoughts, is our mind on the goal? What was the goal for the servant? Find a wife for Isaac. Were there conditions, boundaries to this task of obedience? Yes, there were. And this servant kept a humble heart and mind towards God, ultimately, who is the, the source in which his will must be done. And you and I today are wise to practice that very same principle. If we are obedient to the task, which is, of course, to proclaim the uniqueness of the church, the kingdom, Christ as crowned king, right? 
the uniqueness of the plan of salvation into which how mankind is redeemed, the pattern in which is pleasing to God in worship, and the character of a Christian, and church discipline, and all these things that we as Christians must live and obey. This is our task. When we do not have God in prayer and in thanks, guiding our thoughts, our life, and the decisions we make, we will find ourselves in a great many sorrows because sin causes sorrow. Sin is going to give you a paycheck, and the paycheck is death. So when you work for sin, know that the check that's coming at the end of the week is death. This year, servant wanted whether, uh, in silence, gazing at this young lady, wanted to know whether the Lord had made him successful, his journey successful or not. Okay, took a bit of time there because I think it's important that we do kind of slow things down, look under the microscope, little things like that that we typically don't see if we don't have it under the microscope to investigate and have what is very, can be missed, very small, missed, but you open it up and you can see there's a lot of detail in there. There's a lot of detail in there, isn't there? Verse 22, when the camels had finished drinking, the man took a gold ring weighing a half shekel and two bracelets for her wrists weighing 10 shekels in gold. Okay, so you see the various tests, if you will, to her candidacy taking place. She is challenged with an opportunity to be a servant. She immediately takes that opportunity and excels, exceeds expectation, and wants to uh, um, uh, provide a service for this, for this uh, servant. Now she's being given a gift for her service. How is she going to react to this gift? Is she materialistic? <laughs> That's important. Is she going to... Is, is this servant going to see in her a love for silver and gold more so than she would for a husband? <clears throat> Things like that are important when we are seeking to choose the right candidate in our lives in marriage or in our sons and daughters' lives. So when the camels had finished drinking, the man took a gold ring weighing a half shekel and two bracelets for her wrists weighing ten shekels in gold and said... Whose daughter are you? Please tell me. Is there room for us, he, he, this servant, and his helping hands and the camels, to lodge in your father's house? And she says to him, to this other challenge. You see how all these, these moments that would test her heart as a person so that he, this servant, can see the fruits produced by her that would tell him if he is indeed successful on his journey. Uh, towards God. All of these things are important. Are you willing for this matter to be discussed with your household, your family, your parents? Again, she said to him, uh, sorry, in verse 24, she said to him, I am the daughter of Bethuel, the son of Milcah, whom she bore to Nahor. Again, she said to him in verse 25, we have plenty of both straw and feed, and room to lodge in. Wow, she's not messing up on all the check marks here. She's very thoughtful and willing to put herself in a vulnerable position with her family uh, so as to accommodate this journeyman with refreshments and, and, and shade and, and, and care. That's important. If you're going to marry someone, these are kind of the things you might want to look for, okay? Again, she says to him, we have plenty of both straw and feed and room to lodge in. We got nourishment. We have security. We have rest. We have the things that are necessary to take care of you, and we want to practice this hospitality because, again, it is part of their commanded lifestyle as people of God 
And if you have a decent, kind, humble heart towards your fellow man, it's just the right thing to do. Then the man bowed low and worshipped the Lord. She has to be the right candidate. And it's not, it, it, again, it's, it's, it's a witness to the man's heart. It's not, look what I've done. Look at everything I've done. No. It's look at what God has done. He has revealed to me the joy and encouragement of a successful journey. She's young. She's, she's beautiful. She's pure. She's a virgin. She's helpful. She's kind. She's thoughtful. She's selfless. She can work. She's willing to work. She's eager to work. She's willing to invite us into her home, her family, to have us uh, uh, the recipients of nourishment, security, peace. She is indeed the one. And so God is successful in God's work through me, the servant. Blessed be the Lord, he says in verse 27, the God of my master Abraham who has not forsaken his loving kindness and his truth toward my master. As for me, the Lord has guided me in the way of the, to the house of my master's brothers. Providential path through answered prayer, which was according to the will of God. And one who would be godless, if you will, in his thoughts, could have easily been prideful, controlling, and self-centered. Well, I'm the one that came on this journey, and I'm the one who found her, and I'm the one who's going It's all on me, because, I mean, what you can see with your eyes must be what is before you to claim. No. No, it belongs to God. This success belongs to to God, and this servant knows it, and he gives honor in worship to the source in which all things righteous are made possible. And you and I are very wise to say the same. I don't have much on a scale and perspective of those who have more. I have much more than those who have much less, all of which I thank God for. The reason I have a beautiful computer to work on, a camera to work on, an office slash studio, clothes, a house to live in, beautiful, faithful wife, three wonderful blessings, children. I have a family vehicle. We eat food three times a day. We have fresh running water. There's breath in my lungs. I may not be as healthy as I was when I was younger, but I'm still alive. And so are my parents, and my parents are faithful Christians. It's God's work. Yes, it may come through many of you supporting the gospel, having compassion and faith in the gospel work that the Added Souls Ministry produces through the Maya family in the mission field and work of the East Coast Church of Christ. All those things we could be like, well, it, it's because I send you money that you're, that you're successful. Don't, don't, don't ever do that. I don't want to do that. You don't do that. It's not us. It's God. Really. Stay humble. We are always but a heartbeat away from meeting the Maker. Do you know that? Every the thump, the thump, the thump, the thump could be the last one. Life is but a vapor. We have a mission, a purpose in life to be pleasing to God in the task of the gospel for you and I under the messianic age, the age of the Christ. It is but our reasonable service. We are just doing what we ought to be doing. We are, we are broken, a fallen world. We need Jesus. If the Lord bless me and my household with riches one day, as Abraham was blessed, if I can open my bank account and see millions of dollars, did I do that? As 
Urkel would say, for those of you who get the, re the reference there. But no, it's God who has saw it fit in his will to allow faithful people of his with wealth. Why? Because he knows we're going to take those millions of dollars and put it in the gospel. That's all there is to it. It's God's work being done through us. And he don't need us to have his work done. We are simply blessed. Because he wouldn't need none of us to get his work done, I assure you. God don't need us to get things done. But he offers it to us. An opportunity to be pleasing to him. As the lowly, humble, poor in spirit servant who bowed low and worshiped the Lord, saying, Blessed be the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who has not forsaken his loving kindness and his truth toward my master. As for me, the Lord has guided me in the way to the house of my master's brothers. How so? He was set on a task, there were prayers made, there were conditions in God's providence before he even formed Adam and Eve knew exactly what was going to take place. And that is amazing to me. Fascinating. Truly interesting, right? Verse 28, Then the girl ran and told her mother's household. This is an immediate active service about these things she had to speak in her mother's household. Now, Rebecca, well, she had a brother mm -hmm, whose name was Laban. Oh, boys, who, 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 who's this one? And Laban ran outside to the man at the spring. When he saw the ring and the bracelets on his sister's wrists, and when he heard the words of Rebekah, his sister, saying, This is what the man said to me. He went to the man, and behold, he was standing by the camel's at the spring. So this Laban, who is this young lady's brother, the first thing he recognizes was the jewelry. And upon the jewelry, he hears what is being said. And in verse 31, he said, Come in, blessed of the Lord. Why do you stand outside since I have prepared the house in a place for the camels? Is it a matter of, oh, look at the jewelry. Oh, <clears throat> hello, sir. Uh, have you ever walked into a jewelry store dressed as if you were a homeless person? In my past life, I did that. No one wanted to help me. Matter of fact, after a while, one of them came up to me, uh, mid-50s, been working there for a while at this local jewelry store, and she looks at me and she says, yeah, son, they're... Things in here are expensive, and uh, you're probably uh, looking for another location, you know. We probably can't help you here. <laughs> Lo and behold, she did not know that I had thousands upon thousands of dollars in my pockets while wanting to buy jewelry. Well, if I would have walked in there in a very fancy suit and fancy shoes and a very shiny smile and combed and groomed hair and everything. Oh, hello, sir. Uh, how may I help you? Uh, is there anything I could get you? Do you need coffee? Do you need water? Uh, have a seat. What? How could I be of service to you? <laughs> that is the way of the world, isn't it? We uh, judge individuals unrighteously according to our social status or social statuses and all that kind of stuff. Sadly, we do that. We shouldn't do that. But we do. And, uh, is this what's taking place with Laban? Oh, uh, <clears throat> hello. Uh, how are you doing, sir? Uh, I see you have a jewelry there. I mean, sorry. I mean, I mean, I, I see that uh, you, you, you want to come in, uh, have a have a meal. <laughs> I don't know yet. Do you know yet? I don't know. Just speculating. Could be absolutely wrong about Laban. Who knows? Let's just keep reading. So the man entered the house. Then Laban unloaded the camels, and he gave straw and feed to the camels, and water to wash his feet and the feet of the men who were with him. Oh, well, he's being useful, isn't he? So was his sister. Is there a difference of motive in one's heart? Does that even matter? Yeah, it does. Be careful with wolves that'll want to teach you that 
motives have absolutely nothing to do with nothing and that individuals should never, ever recognize motive in individuals or fellow members. Be careful of those kinds. Those kinds are seeking to manipulate you in one way or another. Motives most certainly apply in our lives. Why do we go to church on Sunday, being with the church and worship? What's the purpose in our heart? What's the motive? Is it in spirit and truth, or is it for something else? You know, some Christians are wed to the building and not to Christ. That's why you see them remain in local congregations that have lost their light and are now governed by corrupt leaderships, self-righteous, pharisaical, diatrophic individuals, and they remain there. Why? Because their loyalty is wed to the building, not to Christ. Not to Christ. There's motive there. The motive of their heart is unrighteous. It's not right. It's not humble. It's not seek ye first, if you will, Matthew 6.33. Why is Laban doing what he is doing? Why did she do what she did? Important questions. But when food was set before him to eat, he said, I will not eat until I have told my business. So the servant in here, of course, wants to make sure that everything is spoken of plainly, that there is no need to question his motive. He's going to speak his motive quite plainly to them, which, of course, is always a good uh, or a, uh, a courtesy that we should give each other as well. Don't run around. Just tell me why are you here? So then we can put aside the motive and act upon what is said and the fruit that will be produced from that. Because some can be deceiving with those things. You got to be careful. So he said, I am... Abraham's servant. The Lord has greatly blessed my master so that he has become rich and he has given him flocks and herds, herds and silver and gold and servants and maids and camels and donkeys. So he is a wealthy individual, this master of mine. Now Sarah, my master's wife, bore a son to my master in her old age and he has given him all that he has. My master made me swear, saying, You shall not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites, in whose land I live. But you'll go to my father's house and to my relatives and take a wife for my son. And I said to my master, Suppose the woman does not follow me. And he said to me, The Lord, before whom I have walked, will send his angel with you to make your journey successful, and you will take a wife for my son from my relatives and from my father's house. Then you will be free from my oath when you come to my relatives, and if they do not give her to you, you will be free from my oath. So here is this servant, whom Laban, the brother of Rebekah, brought into the inner camp, the household there, and he is transparent, speaking the motive of his heart publicly to the audience and interaction at hand, and he allows them to know exactly what's taking place. Behold, I am standing by the spring, and may it be that the maiden, or sorry, verse 42 here, you will be free from my oath. Okay, so he speaks of the conditions, right, that was given to him by his master and his purpose, his task, his office, and what he is seeking to uh, achieve. So I came today, verse 42, to the spring and said, O Lord, the God of my master Abraham, is now, if now you will make my journey on which I go successful. Behold, I am standing by the spring, and may it be that the maiden whom comes out to draw, and to whom I say, please let me drink a little water from your jar, and she will say to me, you drink, and I will draw for your camels also. Let her be the woman whom the Lord has appointed for my master's son. Verse 45. Before I had finished speaking in my heart, behold, Rebekah came out with her jar on her shoulder and went down to the spring and drew. And I said to her, Please let me drink. 
She quickly lowered her jar from her shoulder and said, Drink, and I will water your camels also. So I drank, and she watered the camels also. Then I asked her, in verse 47, and said, Whose daughter are you? And she said, The daughter of Bethuel, Nahor's son, whom Milcah bore to him. And I put the ring on her nose and the bracelets on her wrists. And I bowed low and worshipped the Lord and blessed the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who had guided me in the right way to take the daughter of my master's kinsman for his son. So now if you are going to deal kindly and truly with my master, tell me, and if not, let me know that I may turn to the right hand or the left. Here's the account, he says. It's laid out before you, transparent, very public. This is the motive of my heart. This is the task that I have been given. The success in finding, and he, in doing this also, is setting forth the convincing request that Rebecca, their daughter, be Isaac's wife. Don't be running around. Don't try to utilize any other way than the direct, plainly spoken agenda. Then Laban, Rebekah's brother, and Bethuel replied, The matter comes from the Lord. Yeah. They recognized that this was the will of God, and they were capable of doing that because this servant spoke plainly to them of his task and the things that had taken place. We'd be wise today when we interact with individuals that our motive and our task is plainly stated. I assure you, from June 26, 2011, in my life, all who have known me have heard about Jesus Christ. I'm not trying to trick you into obeying the gospel. I speak quite plainly. <laughs> okay? And it is nothing of my doing. I simply am permitted through God's good grace to have found purpose in being pleasing to Him proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. Okay? We need to be plainly speaking to individuals. So we're learning a lot of stuff, aren't we? When we take the time to um, investigate the many angles and perspectives that are true to the interpretation. We're not breaching doctrine. We're not going against God's will. We're learning together, you and I, with the minds God has blessed us to learn with. Then Laban, in verse 50, oh, what's making here? Error, making local recording. Okay. Then label, uh, Laban and Bethuel, oops, sorry, where was I now? Something popped up on my screen and totally threw me off. And it threw me off because my computer is maxed out with its um, storage. And because it's maxed out with its storage, it stopped recording, <laughs> which means I'm not going to be able to put this in the file, which is frustrating and going to give me a bit of work afterwards, but that's okay. That bit of an excursion there, technical issue. Let's go back here. Um, in verse 50, then label, uh, label, yeah, Laban and Bethuel replied, the matter comes from the Lord, so we cannot speak to you bad or good. Here is Rebekah before you. Take her and go, and let her be the wife of your master's son, as the Lord had spoken. And when Abraham's servant heard the, their words, he bowed himself to the ground before the Lord. The servant brought out articles of silver and articles of gold and garments and gave them to Rebekah. He also gave precious things to her brother and to her mother. There is a reward. There are gifts. When the interactive parties are in mutual agreement and understanding of plainly spoken words that come from God's will. We be wise as Christians to be united in this same goal. 
Man, oh man. Then he and the men who were with him, in verse 54, ate and drank and spent the night. When they arose in the morning, he said, Send me away to my master. But her brother and her mother said, Let the girl stay with us a few days. Say ten. Afterward, she may go. Now, what's the purpose behind this? What's the motive? Well, is it they're going to miss Rebecca? As a parent, it'd kind of be difficult, I suppose, to say bye so quickly to your sons or daughters. I don't know. Let's keep reading. He said to them, Do not delay me, the servant, since the Lord has prospered my way. Send me away that I may go to my master. And they said, We will call the girl and consult her wishes. So it's going to be up to her. Then they called Rebekah and said to her, Will you go with this man? And she said, I will go. Thus they sent away their sister, Rebekah, and her nurse with Abraham's servant and his men. They blessed Rebekah and said to her, May you, our sister, become thousands of ten thousands, and may your descendants possess the gate of those who hate them. Isn't that interesting? That's a blessing, isn't it? May you have the joy, comfort, security of ancestral lineage, a family tree. And may your family tree always have this security of God's power with you so that your enemies can be kept at bay on a chain. They won't have dominion over you, kind of the idea. So then Rebekah arose with her maids, and they mounted the camels and followed the man. So the servant took Rebekah and departed. Interesting, isn't it? Very interesting indeed. How much time do we have? We have enough time. Isaac marries Rebekah. So now Isaac had come from going to Birlahay Roy. <laughs> yeah, that. For he was living in the Negev. And Isaac went out to meditate in the field toward evening, and he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, camels were coming. Rebekah lifted up her eyes, in verse 64, and when she saw Isaac, she dismounted from the camel, and she said to the servant, verse 65, Who is that man walking in the field to meet us? And the servant said, He is my master. Then she took her veil and covered herself. The servant told Isaac all the things that he had done in verse 66. Again, counting in plainly spoken words what had taken place, Isaac, in verse 67, brought her into his mother, his mother Sarah's tent, and he took Rebekah, and she became his wife, and he loved her. Thus Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that a, a true tale of love and unity and fulfillment? Truly so. Truly so. And look at how it took place. Things were done decently, plainly spoken, through prayer, through God's will, through recognizing, identifying, and discerning the proper candidate for a wedding, for a life mate. And how it, uh, it came to be, and it produced gifts and rewards and comfort for Isaac after his mother's death. When you find the right mate, the right individual to be with you for life till death do us part, if we are both faithful to Jesus Christ, first and foremost, our love to Christ, we will comfort each other in very difficult moments that come and challenge us. And what kind of individuals must we be as Christians? Well, what was the candidacy and the office and the boundaries of the candidacy in which this servant was seeking to fulfill his master's will, his master's plan for a son for, for a wife for his son? Kind, thoughtful, humble, service, selflessness, all, all these things. We can learn a great deal, my friends, from this information. And look at how they met, right? Look at how they met and how this came to be. If we do things God's way, we will have that righteous 
intimate, loving unity. We be wise. We be wise to follow that pattern, man. Listen, in a time of such craziness today, man, oh man, it's easy to lose it all. It's easy, it, 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 it's easy to make the, the, the wrong decisions based on, on, on sinful fleshly endeavors and, and just miss the mark. We find ourselves in a lot of pain in life. We've got to be wise. All right, so that'll conclude this midweek study in the book of Genesis. Uh, Stefan Maillet is my name. AddedSouls.com is the website. Please sign up to AddedSouls.locals.com. You can sign up over there for free, but you can choose to support for as low as you want or as high as you want, and it helps this kind of content, this material, continue to be pr produced and, and shared in, in your local communities and around the world. Uh, we labor over here with the East Coast Church of Christ in New Brunswick, Canada, on the East Coast of Canada. And uh, you can check us out over at eastcoastchurchofchrist.com. If you'd like to partake, get involved, uh, reach out to us. We'd love for you to get involved. We really do. We are a small mission group, a small church plant, uh, planted May 8th, I believe, in 2022. And it is indeed a mission location, remotely tucked away. And um, you can get involved with that. And though we are a small group, and we don't have much financial influence or power, we still give out of the little we have to foreign mission. Yeah, Thailand and India, uh, the Philippines, and would you believe it or not, even in the U.S., in the great U.S., there are locations in there where there are no churches of Christ. And we have a good friend over there that we are eagerly seeking to help support in, in the coming weeks uh, with his church plant over there in Florida. I believe Oakleaf uh, is the location. But anyways, just you can get involved with a, a lot of good work taking place, and uh, I certainly encourage you to do that. Lord willing, tomorrow <clears throat> will be our topical discussion, our topical session, and uh, we certainly encourage you to come along with us. There's not a committed set time for our morning podcast sessions, but they can go from between 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Atlantic Daylight Time, just kind of when I get to sit down at the office and go live and, and share, I do. <clears throat> but uh, yeah, stay focused, stay positive. Be sure to subscribe to the channel, give us a thumbs up, a comment, share the link far and wide, and uh, reach out to me if you're in this community. If you're in the east coast of Canada, if you're in New Brunswick, if you're in the Tri-City, reach out to me. We can sit down and have a Bible study. The East Coast Church of Christ is always seeking new family members. There is importance, uh, in your, importance in your life and purpose to be a, a faithful member of the Lord's church, the church he built in the local assembly in which it, 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 it's, it's established and planted. So yeah, all that kind of good stuff. All right, peace out.